three weeks into October, are you already hitting a wall finding easy fall recipes that are good for your Crohn's or colitis, but also get the kids' stamp of approval too? If you love tasty fall recipes that are good for your gut and also something that everyone in your clan will enjoy, you're going to love this episode. You're also going to love this episode if you're looking for a real life story of how to follow the specific carbohydrate diet, how that can work to control your IBD symptoms. With me on this episode of the Cheeky Podcast is Jennifer Brown, SCD follower and chief recipe developer at her website, A Life of Happenstance. Jennifer Brown, her IBD story is coming up. You are listening to the Cheeky Podcast for Moms with IBD, a safe space where moms with Crohn's and colitis connect, explore powerful tools for healing, and transform our lives to thrive in motherhood and in life. I'm your host, Karen Haley, IBD health coach, integrative wellness enthusiast, and mom to three outstanding kids. After having Crohn's disease for 30 years and working as a health advocate exclusively with IBD clients for the last 10 years, I know it's time to bring the types of candid conversations I have with my clients out into the open. It's our time to go on an IBD healing journey and do it like only a mom can. Let's do this. Hello, dear one. Karen Haley here, your IBD health coach. I am sharing this space with you on another episode of the Cheeky Podcast. And it's so delightful to be with you again today. I'm especially excited about this episode because I'm sharing with you my conversation with Jennifer Brown. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Jennifer is the creator of the SCD, that's the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Food Blog, A Life of Happenstance. She was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2009. After having suffered from symptoms of her disease for many years, Jennifer found the Specific Carbohydrate Diet and completely changed her lifestyle. A combination of diet and medication helps keep this mom of two young children in clinical remission. Yes to that. Her blog has over 100 SCD legal recipes, and it was cited as a recommended recipe site in the newest edition of Breaking the Vicious Cycle, Intestinal Health Through Diet by Elaine Gottschall. Now, in this episode, Jennifer and I talk about so many hot button issues. For those of us with Crohn's and colitis, you're really going to find value in this. We explore how anxiety and stress affects our disease. And we get into how hormones affect pregnancy. And we talk about Jennifer's specific carbohydrate diet journey and how this gutsy lady who never knew how to shop for groceries, how to make meals, became not just an SCD pro, but a seasoned cook and a recipe developer. Jennifer and I get into so many relevant topics that are, I know they're going to be of interest to you, but I think that what you're going to love most about this conversation, and I only, I just realized this when I was re-listening to our interview It's that there's so much great uh, batting back and forth of ideas from two people who have been in the SCD trenches for years and have 
all this knowledge to share about how it can work, yet look so different in each of our lives. And the fall recipes that Jennifer shares, they are going to make you want to rush to her website and check them out. I've got three words for you. Apple cider cake. Just going to wet your whistle with that for now. If you don't know who Jennifer Brown is yet, I can't wait for you to meet her. One last note that I want to mention before we dive in is that the sound quality on my end, not on Jennifer's end, but on my end, it just wasn't great for this interview. That old perfectionist in me, it wants to say, I have to scrap it. I just have to start over. But but the B plus mom in me, that mom that I talk about on the podcast is going to practice what she preaches and just let it go. This interview is so good, I just can't keep it to myself. So please excuse the sound quality and soak in Jennifer's message because that's what it's all about. Let's dive in with Jennifer Brown. Welcome, Jennifer. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Your recipes, I have to tell you, your recipes, your blog, it's been a staple in my life for it seems like a really long time now. And I know that I've also, and you know this too, I have shared some of your recipes with my community. I remember last Valentine's day, I shared your, I correct me if I'm wrong. I'm probably going to get the name wrong. It's the no bake strawberry gelatin pie. Do you remember that one? Yeah. So, and they absolutely loved it. Such a perfect recipe for Valentine's day. And I have to tell you in my family, our personal favorite of your collection is the pear and Havarti tart. Oh, that is my husband's favorite. He asks for it every single year around this time. And I love that it's his favorite because it's such an easy recipe. <laughs> it's perfect for this time of year because of the pears. Yes. And I feel like pears are such an overlooked fruit this time of year. Apples and pumpkins are mm-hmm. everywhere. And you don't see a lot of pear recipes and I love pears. Well, that's my absolute favorite. That's my favorite one of yours. So as you know, I work with moms who have Crohn's and colitis. And what comes up all the time, of course, is the specific carbohydrate diet, because it's really the the diet that works for so many when they're working to control their Crohn's symptoms and their colitis symptoms. And so one of the moms in my community emailed me and she said, Karen, when are your fall recipes coming out? When are you going to be posting those? And I thought, uh oh, I I haven't worked on any, but but I know exactly who to go to. I know who to go to. I know who is working on those fall recipes, and so that's how Jennifer Brown ended up on our podcast today. Jennifer Brown, you know her recipe recipe vlogger, a life of happenstance is her website. So she's joining us today to talk to us all about some wonderful fall recipes that she's been cooking up. But before we get to that, I really want to dive into your story because I know, Jennifer, that you have ulcerative colitis. So what I want to do before we get to your awesome recipes, I would love to start by just asking you that obvious question. When did IBD come into your life? So I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis back in 2009. Um, it came, it came about very quickly. I felt completely normal. And one day I woke up with severe stomach pains, um, running to the restroom constantly. And then eventually there was blood in the stool. Prior to that, 
I've always been a very anxious individual. So lots of stomach pain kind of associated with that. But I, I feel like for the most part, the actual UC symptoms came on quickly. Yeah, that's interesting because oftentimes when I, and can I ask you, how old were you when that happened? Uh, 27, I believe. Yeah. So oftentimes, and you may have heard this before as well. Oftentimes what I hear is, you know, I remember having, you know, GI symptoms my whole life, or I had diarrhea my whole life. So that's interesting that yours just like, you feel like one day completely fine. And the next day, the blood in the stool and sitting on the toilet and all the cramping and that all happened in one day. So growing up, um, my pediatrician diagnosed me with nervous tummy. Yeah. I was constantly having stomach cramping. Um, and we always just kind of chalked it up to anxiety, which it very well might have been. Um, and then there was a time where those symptoms kind of lulled, you know, at the end of high school, beginning of college. And so, I, you know, at the time that the IBD symptoms set in, I was actually the healthiest I had ever been. I had joined a gym. I was working out. I was eating healthier, not SCD, but healthier than I was. Less processed food, let's put it that way. Less standard American American diet, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still standard American diet, but a lot less than what I was consuming previously. Um, So it was just kind of shocking when it did happen. I was like, I don't understand. I'm taking all of these steps to try and get healthier. And then all of a sudden this happens. Yeah. And you can never really be prepared for that diagnosis, right? So I'm guessing, let me just guess, (laughs) did your doctor say to you, Hey, you have colitis, but I know this great diet. Why don't you go for it with the diet? I'm guessing the answer is no to that question. Not with my first GI doctor. Yeah. 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 And so what did the doctor say? You have colitis or you were diagnosed right away. Within probably two months of my symptoms, okay. in, it was very quickly. And yes, he said, you have ulcerative colitis. It is a chronic illness. It will be with you forever. However, I have pills I can give you. You take it daily and you should be able to leave, lead a fairly normal life. And I asked him about diet and he said, no, that diet didn't have anything to do with ulcerative colitis and it wouldn't make a difference. So to just eat what I want. And at that time, I was very much in denial about what was happening. And I was happy to hear that I wouldn't have to alter my diet very much. Um, I was happy to hear that I could just kind of take this pill and this would go away. And I really didn't process my diagnosis. I didn't go home and research it at all. I didn't research it until probably five years later, very much in a state of denial about the whole thing. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty common reaction because, well, first of all, let me just ask you, had you ever heard of colitis before? Did you know what it was? Right. So you don't know what it is and you're not researching it. And there's this magic pill and I don't have to do anything different, but take this pill. So I'll, I'll just choose that path. Right. It's the easiest path, right? Path of least resistance, bury your head in the sand, make pretend nothing is wrong and move on. Yeah. And so that's what you did. It is. I know that a lot of people that are listening to this, I know they can relate to that. I think there's a number of people who do that exact thing. I just 
the doctor said, this isn't going to affect my life. So it's really not going to affect my life. There's a medicine, right? We're taught if we have a problem, we take a medicine and it goes away and then I'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to something because you mentioned it a couple times and I find this so interesting about the whole anxiety, nervous stomach component. I, I really want to touch on that because, you know, I've been working in this field with people who have Crohn's and colitis, um, since it's been like 10, at least 10 years since 2010, I think. And something that comes up with every single client, every single one is I'm kind of an anxious person. I'm kind of a nervous person. I remember having a nervous stomach. It comes up for so many of us. I think that oftentimes lay people or even sometimes medical providers that don't have it, they think that that means that oh, you're just an anxious person. That's why you have this disease when it really isn't that at all. So, but I do find it interesting that it really does play a role there, right? Like, you know, um, we do know research does show that when we have anxiety or stress, it can exacerbate our symptoms, right? So how have you found that to play a role for you? Stress is probably my biggest trigger. Um, more than food, stress plays a very big part. I have found um, in you know my symptoms. So lots of deep breathing, lots of yoga. Something that I have searched out, which I wish I had searched out years and years ago, is a therapist that really helps with my anxiety. Um, journaling, just lots of little things. Um, but yeah, that stress plays a huge, huge part in my ulcerative colitis and how I'm feeling on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I agree. It really does for me as well. Stress is a huge factor for me. And like you said, it's even more than food. For me, my biggest trigger is sleep and my ability to have quality sleep, but stress would probably be up there as number two for me. I'm definitely a person that leads towards, lends more towards anxiety as well. It's just really interesting on it. I really like what what you said about the things that are helping you. You mentioned yoga, you mentioned keeping a journal, things like that, knowing that you're feeling stress. So I know people are always looking for how can I reduce my stress? So those are a few ways, right? Oops. Those are a few, a few ways right there. Tell me about journaling. What does that look like for you? Is it like free form journaling? Is it journaling what you're eating? What does journaling look like for you? And how does that help your stress? So in the evenings, I like to do a gratitude journal. I come up with three things, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on the day. Um, But that really helps ground me um, and really focus more on the positives. I feel like as an anxious person, I tend to kind of look at the negatives more than the positives, which just makes you feel more anxious. So doing that gratitude journal really helps. And then I do free form journaling. I try to do a little bit every single morning and it's just kind of a brain dump. I just write down whatever I'm feeling, whatever I'm thinking about. And it really kind of helps me process what's happening in my brain And it gives me some good quality time alone before the kids wake up and I'm kind of on for the day. 
Yes, yes, yes. We, we need to take that time as moms, either in the morning when they're not awake yet, or at night when they've gone to bed. And it will depend on the age of your kids, right? Depending on, you know, are they early risers and, you know, what age are they? Maybe your kids are night owls because they're teenagers, but we have to find that time for us. For me, Jennifer, it's, um, I do journaling, but I also really like to meditate. That's a really big factor in controlling my stress. So I just like that we kind of just batted around a few ideas because I know moms are always saying to me, I have so much stress, anxiety, what can I do about it? And that answer is different for everybody, isn't it? Yes, it definitely is. And it takes, I think, a little a little trial and error to figure out what works for you. I have tried meditation so much. And what I have found is that (laughs) sitting there quietly without anything to do makes me more anxious, which is why the journaling is kind of, you know, my meditation. I told, yes, it is kind of like a form of meditation. And I really hear you about the meditation because I hear that all the time. I, I have, I have a mind. It just raised, especially it's a double whammy Crohn's and colitis and being a mom, right? So you have this mind that's constantly going. I hear that all the time. One of the things that I love, and I've mentioned this several times on the podcast, is this app called Insight Timer. And so it's not just sitting there and being quiet because I could, I have to tell you, Jennifer, I could never do that. (laughs) It's actual (laughs) visualizations and mantras and, um, it's just, a, it's, it's somebody talking. It's not you sitting there. So it's somebody talking you through it. And the beautiful thing about it is that they even have Crohn's and colitis specific visualizations. What? Insight crazy. timer. And it's free. It <laughs> and it's free. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check it out. I actually had one of the meditation guides on the podcast not too long ago. Her name is Ruthie Hannon. So if you guys haven't heard of Insight Timer, anyone who's listening, go check out Ruthie Hannon. She's fabulous. Absolutely love her. Okay. So I did digress a little bit, but when you mentioned that, I thought I've got to touch on that stress and anxiety piece because it's so prevalent for us. But I want to get back to you and finding the specific carbohydrate diet. So how soon after you're diagnosed, does that even, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you had never heard of specific carbohydrate diet before. Right. Okay. So how soon after this diagnosis did the specific carbohydrate diet reveal itself to you? It was probably about four or five years after my diagnosis. Um, the time prior to finding SCD, I was in and out of the hospital and the emergency rooms more times than I can count. And I went through two GI doctors before finding the GI doctor that I currently have. Um, And he was the one back in 2013 who, during our first meeting, mentioned the SCD diet. Um, And I, it was wonderful because by that point, I was ready for a change. Being in and out of hospitals so much, I knew that it, that was not something sustainable for me. It's not something that... I wanted to continue to happen. Um, So I really was looking for answers and I was looking for a way to kind of take control of my health. Yeah. And what were you on up till then? It sounds like you had never, and you had never been in remission that whole time. No, never. And, but what were you taking during that time? I was taking mesolamine. And never found remission. Yeah. No, probably for about the first 
eight months, I feel like it worked well. And after that, um, it just didn't. And my GI doctor said, um, you know, this is all my first GI doctor said, this is, this is all we have to offer. Yeah. And I switched doctors and the second doctor tried me on azathioprine. Mm -hmm. And I was on that for a short period of time um, before finding uh, my current GI doctor. Who supports the specific carbohydrate diet. He does. It's so fabulous. I think that we're seeing that more and more, right? It's small, but I do see change happening. I do see some doctors, you can find them, ones that are familiar with the specific carbohydrate diet and not only that, but support it in their patients. Yes, it is very, very rare. Um, so I feel very lucky that I was able to find one in my area. Yeah. Okay. So you found the specific carbohydrate diet and what happened with your symptoms? Um, my symptoms got so much better. Um, I just, it was difficult. Don't get me wrong to go from a standard American diet to now all of a sudden making essentially everything from scratch was very difficult. Um, but worth it once I started to feel better. And how long did that take? You know, I feel like I started feeling positive effects from it maybe within a month. Wow. That's great. So, yes. It happened really quickly and probably within a year, I felt so much better. Did you go all in, you know, how Elaine talks about fanatical adherence. Did you do the intro diet and then take it slowly? What was your SCD process like? So I, I did it just following the book. I wasn't on any, you know, Facebook groups or anything like that. So I definitely made a lot of mistakes at the beginning, um, eating foods that I thought were legal, which were not legal. Oh yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely a learning curve and it really taught me to show myself grace. Now I'm making these positive steps. It's okay. If I make a mistake, um, I just move on from there. And I did the intro diet for I think maybe three or four days. And from then on, I just ate things from the list of approved foods. I did not follow any kind of stage and I made sure to keep a food journal. And in the food journal, I was very meticulous um, about the foods I was eating, how I was feeling afterwards, what my bowel movements looked like, how much I was drinking, the sleep I was getting. I mean, I made sure to really write everything down so that if and when I started to feel symptoms, I could kind of look back and pinpoint what might've been the issue. I think that's huge, Jennifer, right? The whole journaling, all of this, writing down your food, the foods you're eating, like you mentioned, your bowel movements. And more than that, it's so important to write down your mood, right? Because food can affect our mood as well. So I think that's an important part. And then not just your GI symptoms, but your non-GI symptoms, because we know that with Crohn's and colitis, sometimes we can have symptoms that aren't GI related. It could be a skin rash. It could be a headache. It could be arthritis, but they could all be traced back to our Crohn's or colitis. Yep, absolutely. Um, I like probably many, many other, uh, IBD, um, 
other individuals with IBD, um, I have multiple autoimmune diseases and I have um, psoriasis. And, you know, it was so funny the day that I had my light bulb moment, but you know what? My psoriasis flares up just before you see symptoms flare up. It took me a long time to figure that out. And then once I did, I was like, uh oh, my psoriasis is flaring up. I need to, you know, rein in whatever is happening with the diet or how I'm feeling or the stress because the UC symptoms are going to start soon. And do you feel like the diet helped your psoriasis as well? Yes, I did. I did yeah. feel that way. Yeah. So it's not just for Crohn's and colitis. It can work for other, other autoimmune conditions as well. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So now you have been doing the specific carbohydrate diet for quite a while. I have to ask you, do you ever stray? I have certainly had my moments, especially when I was pregnant, those pregnancy cravings are Um, and I was very, very sick with both of my pregnancies. Um, I could barely keep anything down. Um, I was losing weight rapidly while pregnant. So at that point, it was more of making sure that I was eating so that the baby was getting the nutrients yeah. that, you know, that he needed. And, and I was okay with that. You know, I, I was doing this for my children. I need to make sure I have a healthy pregnancy. And after giving birth, I went right back on the diet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. And so at this point, would you say that the specific carbohydrate diet is the thing that really keeps you in remission or are there other things you're doing as well? You know, sometimes the specific carbohydrate diet is a piece of the puzzle. It doesn't have to be the whole puzzle. So I'm just curious at what else, I mean, we did talk about the yoga and joint weight for the stress management component, but is there anything else that you feel like you would attribute to your, are you in remission right now? I am in clinical remission right now, and I wish I could say that it was only due to diet. However, I am one of those individuals that I could never quite get there just with diet, Um, especially after I had my kids' hormones go crazy, um, and I just wasn't able to get there without the help of medication. So I am doing a combination of diet and medication. I'm currently on Intivio, Uh and I've been on it for three years. And knock on wood, everything is going well. Um, I've had no symptoms from the medication and I, I don't have to question for the most part. I don't have to question if I'm going to have a good day or if my symptoms are going to creep up on me. Um, they're pretty much all good days symptom wise. That's awesome. That's so great. Oh, I love hearing that. That's wonderful. It's about finding that way that works for you. And I'm so glad that you have found that way that works for you. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned pregnancies and of course, most of the listeners of the podcast are moms. And so we all are wondering about pregnancies and how IBD affects pregnancy. I am a firm believer. I really feel like we need more research on the hormone component with Crohn's and colitis. And so of course, one of those hormone fluctuations is going to be pregnancy. And so you mentioned eating different things when you're pregnant. When did your disease change during pregnancy? Was it the pregnancy itself? Was it after? What was that like for you? 
It was, for me, it was during the pregnancy itself with my first child. um, It was during my last trimester. And with my second child, it was essentially the entire, um, the entire pregnancy. So it, you know, even, even within pregnancies, it can look completely different. Yeah, that's true. One pregnancy can be completely different than the other, right? Just like kids are different. (laughs) The pregnancy is different and how it affects our Crohn's and colitis is different. And so to then achieve remission after that, was it medication that helped or I, we need to back up for just a second. Are you on the specific, you were, you are on the specific carbohydrate diet while you're pregnant with both kits, correct? I was, and I was adding in foods that would be deemed illegal. Right, right. Saltine crackers, um, sweet potatoes. I didn't go crazy, but I did add things in that are not allowed on the diet. Yeah, but so you had started the diet before you yes, got before pregnant. I had children. Yes. 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 That's what I was just, I just wanted to make sure I had the timeline correct. So you start the specific yes. carbohydrate diet and then you get pregnant. And then, you know, there's some blips with your colitis during that time and some eating food that really worked well for you during that time, which is right. another thing that I think is important. You know, Elaine in her fanatical adherence is, in, is really important to achieve remission, but we also need to know our bodies. We need to think about how is this impacting my body? And is there another food that, especially during the times of pregnancy, is there a food that I should bring in that might support me right now? Yes, I agree. It's, it's very important. And, um, is it, is it university of Massachusetts? Is it UMass? Yes. IBD, AID. Yes. Um, and Seattle children's hospital that just had, um, a, a, a clinical trial with SCD. So, and modified SCD, I should say as right. well. Um, and I think it's really important to continue to advance the science. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't, for some people, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. We can start slow. We can learn to incorporate these things and then we can decide, do we want to go all in? There isn't one perfect way. Everyone is, it's about finding the way that works for you. I completely agree. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I have to ask now you were, you're pregnant. Now you have children. You're following the specific carbohydrate diet. How do they eat in your family? How does your husband eat in your family? Are you bringing, I can't tell you how many times I get this question. I want to try it, but I have no idea how I could bring this into my family. It's going to change everything. How does that work for you guys? So my husband is very supportive. um, And when he is home, he eats whatever I cook, which is the SCD diet. Um, And the kids are the same way. And my kids are young. My kids are five and six. Okay. And they didn't know any different. You know, I was on the diet while they were little, you know, the term vegetable was never a bad word in our home. You know, these are vegetables. This is broccoli. Isn't it delicious? Um, so they eat SCD probably about 95% of the time. Okay. And I will add, um, I will add like, you know, rice or potatoes to kind of make a meal stretch for them. And they do have bread occasionally. So for the most part, we all eat the same way. Yeah. So when you're the one who's making the food at home, you make it SCD, but if they happen to eat something out or somewhere there, it's okay. 
they eat whatever they want. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really healthy way to raise your kids. You're teaching them to eat healthy. It's just about eating healthy. The beautiful thing about the specific carbohydrate diet is that it's just healthy for everybody. It's just food. It's, you know, it's, it's the way food is supposed to be enjoyed without all the chemicals added to it. Um, and I think, I know for me, I didn't know what real food tasted like until I started the SED diet. I was so used to boxed food and canned food. I just, I didn't realize how good just food is real food. Yeah. When you strip away, even some of the sauces and things that we put on even real food, right? Like for example, it could be broccoli with, um, Velveeta cheese on it or something, which isn't isn't even cheese. Right. But when we actually like, we make this thing called, um, salty, cheesy broccoli that we, that's how we got the kids to eat broccoli. So it's just steamed broccoli. And then we put some Parmesan cheese and some salt on it. That's it. But to them, it's absolutely delicious. And they, and that's, that's real food, right? When we take away those things, we can actually see, oh, wow, this actually tastes like food. This is what food should taste like. Yes. And I have to tell you, it took me a long time. It took my taste buds a long time to get sure. to the point where I didn't think it tasted bad because I was so used to sugary, you know, over-processed foods you know, tasting something without that sauce on it, you know, tasting a vegetable without the sauce. I didn't think it tasted good at first. So it did take time and the baked goods as well. That was a big one. I have a huge sweet tooth as you can probably tell from my (laughs) blog. I love the desserts are the best part, (laughs) which is so great because it shows people that you don't have to dessert dessert. This is not about eating sprouts and kale all the time. It's just about eating in a way that supports a healthy immune system, a healthy gut, healthy bacteria, healthy microbiome. Yes. And I don't want people to go into this diet and feel like they have to deprive themselves for the rest of their lives. If they're going to continue with the diet, you know, there is, there are, there's good food out there. There's delicious desserts out there. Um, and you don't have to feel deprived. Yeah. So for anybody who's thinking about the specific carbohydrate diet right now, do you have any advice? You know, they're on the fence. They're thinking, should I do it? Should I not do it? What, when you said they don't need to deprive themselves, that just kind of got me thinking, what else would you say? Is there any advice that you would say to someone who's just starting out? Um, I would say to be honest with yourself about your cooking ability. When I started, Mm. I almost never cooked. I didn't know how to grocery shop. Um, It was a very steep learning curve for me. Um, I was getting my meat from my mom. My mom was buying meat every day and she would, I was living by myself at the time. She would slice my meat for me and package it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I really did not know anything. I didn't know how to read a food label or where the ingredients could be found. And look at you now. Oh my goodness. Look, isn't that, if that isn't a success story, I love it. I I would say to be honest about your cooking ability, if you're someone who is, you know, a seasoned cook, you know, go for it, be adventurous, you know, try new flavor combinations. Um, If you're someone who like me, when I first started, 
really didn't know much about cooking, things can get overwhelming very quickly. So I would say to just start simple. Simple is best anyway, you know, a protein, a vegetable, and just kind of, you know, go from there and slowly build from there because you don't want to get overwhelmed and burnt out because it is a lot of cooking. It's a lot of dishes (laughs) and it's a big lifestyle change. I love that advice. It doesn't have to be as complicated as we think, right? You just need a good protein, a good vegetable, maybe even a double vegetable, a little side of fruit if you want. And that's a meal, right? It doesn't have to be complicated. Go ahead and just grill up a piece of chicken or a piece of fish, make a little hamburger. You know what I mean? It can be simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Yes. And I did an Instagram post about this a while ago. Um, you know, looking at my feed on Instagram, you would think that we eat gourmet or close to gourmet every single day and that we're eating desserts every single day. And that's, <laughs> that's not the case. You know, that is, yeah. that is not our reality. Um, you know, unless I'm recipe testing, dinner is, is simple. It's, you know, grilled chicken and steamed vegetables or a whole roasted chicken with roasted vegetables. It's very simple, a protein, a vegetable. Um, And I I tell people a lot to save the big desserts, save the big time-consuming meals for special occasions. Save it for a birthday, save it when you're celebrating something on a Saturday night. You know, don't try and do a big complicated meal in the middle of the week, just keep it simple. Yes. Oh, I love that advice. If you're listening, if you're thinking about the specific carbohydrate diet, know that even a recipe blogger is making food simple. It can be simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can do it and keep it really simple. It doesn't have to be gourmet. A CD does not equal gourmet. Exactly. And you've got kids running around You're tired at the end of the day. You don't want to be standing in the kitchen for hours making dinner. Yeah. And I I mean, this isn't an episode about meal prep or meal planning, but that's really helpful too. I found that when we're talking about making those quick meals and for us with kids, it's a 30 minutes or less always, right? That's the only time that we have. And so I love to make things once and then eat it twice. Either I'll serve it again later in the week or I'll freeze it and then we eat it another time. So it, it does, you can make, you, you can make it work. If you just, there's just a few little tips and I love your tip about just keeping it simple. Thank you. Yes. Um, I, I make a roast chicken every single week and I also roast vegetables at the same time. And that roast chicken gets us so many meals. Yeah. Um, you know, we have dinner that night, the leftover vegetables, I normally eat in the morning along with a fried egg or scrambled eggs. Um, whatever leftover chicken we have, I turn into a chicken salad or I add it to a soup. And the base for that soup is normally chicken broth that I make from the bones of that chicken that I just roasted. Mm-hmm. So that one chicken really helps us get through the week. Exactly. So, yeah. Yes. So finding little things like that so that it diminishes your time in the kitchen, especially during the work week, I think is, is really important. Huge. I think that's really going to help moms, especially because we feel like we're pulled in so many directions by the time dinner rolls around, making it is the last thing we want to do, but knowing that we can do it and keep it simple and still keep our illness in remission. Hopefully it just makes it seem like it's something you could do, right? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you have ulcerative colitis that you've been able to mostly control with diet, with medication that you're taking. Yes. You're not a trained chef, I'm getting, because you said going to the grocery store was kind of new for you. Your mom was buying your meat. <laughs> yes. This person go from where you were at to a recipe blogger? I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I... I really threw, when I decided to start the SCD, I told myself that I really was going to go all in. And I really immersed myself in learning how to cook and learning about food and learning about what vegetables and what fruits were in season and how to cook with those in order to kind of keep costs down. Um, you know, the Food Network was constantly playing on the television. So that Love the Food Network. <laughs> I know I do too. Um, <laughs> So I really, I really just changed my lifestyle because of it. And I started coming up with recipes on my own and different ideas on my own. And after my second child was born, I had at that point, two kids under the age of two. I was a stay-at-home mom. Prior to being a stay-at-home mom, I was um, a special needs preschool teacher for about a decade. Mm. And I was just really missing the interaction with other adults. Um, you know, my husband was working full time and he was working on his PhD after work every day. So it was long days of just me and these two amazing little babies running around. And I felt overwhelmed and I felt a little lost. I didn't quite know who I was anymore. So I decided that I was going to start a blog. I assumed no one was going to read it. <laughs> and um, it just, it just kind of went from there. I really needed something that was just, that was just mine separate from the kids. And that's kind of how the blog was born. Such a great reason to start a blog. I love that. And then I bet you immediately had that connection because this little blog that you thought nobody was going to read now gets read by all kinds of people. Yes. Um, it's pretty crazy. And I'm flattered that, you know, so many people come to the website and they make my recipes. And I love, love hearing about parents that are making these recipes for either themselves or their children with IBD. Um, you know, as a, a former teacher, that was one of the things I missed when I left left the profession was my ability to help children and help families. So I was really pleased that I was able to kind of continue to help children and families through this new venue or this new yeah. avenue. What you're doing in the form of recipe creation is so much more than just giving people food to eat, right? You're giving people back their life right? When they feel lost and they feel like I can't do this. There's, there's this idea, this specific carbohydrate diet, people say it works, but I'm so lost, right? I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so lost. And there you are, there you are. So you're giving people so much more than just the recipe because there's so much that comes with it. That has to be just a really beautiful, you know, way that you're giving back. I, I hope so. I've, I've really enjoyed making the recipes. Um, I've enjoyed being able to 
have this creative outlet and share it with others. And I really just want families and children to know that it's, it's okay. Like food is still going to taste great. And I'm hoping also that I'm able to give others um, kind of a sense of empowerment that they can really help their symptoms by going into the kitchen and cooking and learning how to cook. I hope one day, I hope a cookbook is in your future. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I really, I, I'm going to be first in line for that cookbook. <laughs> and when you're talking about kids, there's a recipe on your site that I actually made for my kids. It's the, is it cake pops? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Yes. So um, good. I, you know, if I can get my kids to eat a, a CD recipe, it's fabulous. So those are a hit for my kids. So anybody who has kids that are following the specific carbohydrate diet, adults too, right? I love that particular recipe. Thank you. And it has a sneaky serving of spinach, which is also good. <laughs> which is perfect <laughs> for kids. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So when it comes to the actual recipes, what, what's your process? Are you big on trial and error? Are you making these 10 times over before it gets to make it to your blog? Or is it just like, I know these are the ingredients. Let me whip it up. And there it is. Um, it really depends on the recipe. There are some recipes that I do end up making 10 times and I still can't get it exactly the way I want. So I kind of have to shelve it. Ah. And, you know, come back to it later, you know, come back to it a year later, come back to it three years later, which I recently did with a recipe. I just, wow, I couldn't get it right at that time. And, you know, this time I did. Um, but most recipes at this point in my logging world, um, I'm making three to five times. Each recipe gets made a minimum of three times. Even if it turns out perfectly on the first time, I make it two more times just to kind of troubleshoot, try to troubleshoot any issues um, that a reader might have with it. Oh, I love that. So not everything that you're doing is making it onto the website then. Correct. I'm currently staring at five <laughs> notebooks filled with recipes and most of them have never made it to the blog. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. So I know we're going to be talking about your fall recipes in just a minute, but besides the fall recipes, what are your favorites? What would you say? Go find that one. If someone's going to go to your blog right now, what are your go-to recipes for them? Um, I have a Ropa Vieja recipe. Ropa Vieja is a stewed meat. Um, and it's made in the crock pot or the slow cooker. It can also be made in the instant pot. I believe on my post, I have directions for both for making it in the instant pot or the slow cooker. It is such a simple meal. Um, it's delicious. It gives you tons of leftovers. It freezes beautifully. My kids love it. Um, it's always a hit in our house. So that would definitely be one of them. Uh, the other one, I have an almond flour cracker recipe mm. that is probably my most popular recipe on the blog ever. It's simple. I think it's less than a handful of ingredients. It takes 15 minutes in the oven and it's done. And you have a delicious, crunchy little snack 
for, you know, for dip or with cheese. Um, so that's a really popular one. And I have the crackers in my fridge pretty much all the time. Everybody wants to be able to eat a cracker. <laughs> Right. You think you're going to have to miss that. So it's wonderful that you don't have to, you don't have to ditch the cracker. You just have to have it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And then for breakfast, I really loved oatmeal first thing in the morning. Um, And as you know, oats are not something that you're supposed to have on SCD. So I have a cauliflower oatmeal recipe. It's egg free. It uses bananas and coconut milk or any other nut milk that settles well with you. Um, And it's delicious. It is so satisfying. And especially on like a crisp morning, it's so comforting. I have not seen that. I'm going to have to go check it out. I love doing interesting things with cauliflower. That is really cool. You can do so much with it. It is amazing. Have you tried riced butternut squash? No. It's made basically the same way as the cauliflower. Peel the butternut squash, chop it up, put it in your food processor, Uh blend it, um, and just process it till it's the size of rice and use that to switch it up with cauliflower. And it's so yummy, especially this time of year in the fall. It's a good one. Yeah, exactly. Because it's in season. So that's the perfect time to have that. I need to try that too. Oh, yay. I'm getting recipes myself. I love it. So let me ask you another question. When I go, one of the reasons I go to your website is for the pictures because your food photography is amazing. I could lick the screen. That's how it's just, they just look so good, especially those desserts. Are you the one taking the pictures? Who's taking those pictures? And do you have training in photography? Uh, Yes, I am the one who is taking the pictures and no, I have zero training in photography. Um, It was definitely a learning curve. It's still a learning curve. I'm still learning. food styling and making food look good on camera um, can be a little tricky. It's so hard. I've tried. I don't know how you do it, but yours look great. Oh, thank you. They're not all great. There are some times where, you know, I photograph something. I'm like, I don't like how this looks, but I'm not making you again. So (laughs) up on the blog because I know you taste good. Yep. I always talk about being a B plus mom. (laughs) Just strive for B plus. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to get through the day. Exactly. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm the one who's taking the photographs and probably the first three years of the blog, all the photographs that you see on there were taken by my iPhone. They were taken on my iPhone. The iPhone is so great. You can take good pictures on the iPhone. You really can. I had no idea, but yes. So, But now you have a, an actual, like a DSLR camera. I do. Yeah. I do. So I'm taking my pictures on that now. Um, So yeah, it it was a steep learning curve. It still is. Editing photos is another kind of steep learning curve, Um, but it's been a lot of fun. And I like learning something new. Um, This has been a a great little hobby for me. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. So yeah. Well, we need to get to the moment that I know everyone has been waiting for, and that's your new fall recipes. What do you have going on for fall that you can share with us? Because I know it's just going to get everybody's mouth watering. So I recently, so I've just released three new recipes, probably within the last two weeks. Okay. I have a pumpkin bread recipe that is delicious. It's made with almond flour. It has pumpkin puree in it, sweetened with honey. 
Um, you can add chopped walnuts either to the batter or on top. I mean, you can use whatever kind of nut you want, you know, almond flour, almond, excuse me, almonds or pecans. Um, but it's so good. And you can pair that with, of course, butter or apple butter, which is another mm -hmm. new recipe that I've just released. Um, it's a slow cooker apple butter. It does take a while. It takes about 12 hours total in the slow cooker. But all in the slow cooker, so you don't have to do anything. You just put it in and leave it. You just put it in, you leave it. Um, about nine hours in, take it out, blend it, put it back in the slow cooker to finish. Um, and that's it. And your house smells amazing. It's I've never amazing. made apple butter before, but I love it. It's delicious. It's apple jam, essentially. I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. Why do they call it butter? <laughs> I don't know. It's very confusing. Um, so it's essentially but, but we could take your pumpkin bread, put some butter on it, and then put apple butter on it. Which I have done, and it is so tasty. Um, and the apple butter doesn't have any added sugar to it. There's no honey at all. Not even honey. Not even honey. So Fuji apples are the key to that recipe because they're so sweet to begin with. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And um, probably cooking it for so long, you're really concentrating the flavor too. So it gets sweeter, right? Absolutely. I mean, there really isn't a need to add honey. I don't think it, yeah. I think it's sweet enough on its own. Um, and then I just released a new cake recipe yesterday. I'm awesome. Excited about it. It is an apple cider almond flour cake and mm. it has an apple butter filling. And then it's frosted with a cashew caramel frosting. Wow. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> so I'm sure you've had rave reviews because if it's up there, you've had the rave reviews. You know, I don't think anyone has had a chance to make it yet. Um, I mean, I from your family, in your family, in your own, in oh, your own world. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. My children gobbled yeah. it up. My daughter told me she thinks that it's her favorite cake recipe so far. Oh. Yeah. She's, she's my little critic, which I appreciate <laughs> as, as children can be. Uh, they will tell you what's on their mind, whether you want to hear it or not. Yes. They will tell you the truth, even if it hurts, but so. that's great for you because then, you know, right. If they're saying, if they're giving it their stamp of appro approval, then, you know, it's good. Oh, absolutely. And I try and run every single recipe, um, by people that, are not following the diet, which essentially is everyone in my family and <laughs> everybody else. Other than me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but specifically my dad, I always give him, especially the desserts, um, a slice or a taste of any kind of baked good because he is very much a processed food, standard American diet kind of a guy. Um, and he is very honest with me, which I also appreciate. So if he likes it, then I, I know it's a good one. It's you good know, one. it's going to be good. Yeah. Where, what, where can we go to get these recipes? Are they right on, are they on the blog right now? Yes. All three of those recipes are on the blog right now. Um, if you go to my main page and just scroll down just a tad, there's a heading that says new recipes and they're all right there. Awesome. I can't wait. I'm going to try the apple butter right away. So easy. It really is. Um, and you can, you know, like for the kids, you can put it on bread with peanut butter as opposed to jelly, um, swirl it into yogurt, which is how I've been eating it. Which is really yes. 
Yes. Oh, that sounds so good. Are you, do you do the SCD yogurt? I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do too. I kind of go in spurts because I've been on the SCD since 2008. So it's been a while. So sometimes I'll do it and sometimes I won't, but I, I am doing it right now and I love it. And I feel like everybody's so individual, but I feel like for me, it makes a difference. Yes. Um, I've definitely found that it makes a difference for me too, but it, that was one of those foods that, um, took a little trial and error for me. I really, how do you make yours? What type of milk do you use? Karen? I use, um, grass fed whole milk. Okay. So I cow's milk and it's, and it's, and I can, I tolerate cow's milk. I do have other recipes for people who don't tolerate it, but I, I do well on the cow's milk. Yes. I typically do well with the cow's milk as well. And I love making the yogurt with half and half, but one of the things that I realized was that every time I was eating the yogurt that was made with the half and half, it was upsetting my stomach. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I think it's just a little too rich for me. Yeah. Um, And even a small amount, even just a tablespoon would upset my stomach. But if I make it with regular milk, it's completely fine. And I can eat, you know, Mm. quarter of a cup a day and not have an issue with it. So it kind of goes back to listening to your body and keeping that food journal and really figuring out even within the diet, what works for you and what doesn't. I can relate to your half and half yogurt story because I made it for, for my first two years. I thought I I've lost all this weight, right? You know, when you start the diet, you tend to lose some weight. I'm going to put the weight back on with good fats. I'm going to make the yogurt with half and half, which I did and loved it for two years until my gallbladder said, uh, uh, that is not happening anymore. And I started having severe gallbladder pain and I realized it was too much fat. It was too much fat for me. Yeah. So everybody has to find their way and it might be that they don't tolerate any cow's milk and then they can go to the goat milk yogurt or nut milk yogurt or coconut milk yogurt. So I always say it's worth trying those different ways of making it before you give it up altogether, because there's so much probiotic rich benefit there. I agree completely. Um, And then the other thing that I found that I kind of needed to tweak was almond flour. You know, tell me more. I was using almond meal. So for those that don't know, almond meal um, is ground almonds, but the skin is left on and it's a coarse texture. Um, So there are, you know, sometimes significant pieces of almonds that's kind of left in the flour. And what I found was when I was eating those baked goods made with the almond meal, it was not settling well in my stomach and it was upsetting my stomach. And I already knew that eating whole nuts was not something that my system could tolerate. So it makes sense that this coarser product was also upsetting my stomach. So I always use blanched, finely ground almond flour. And that almond flour doesn't have the skin on it. And it's ground to a very, very fine texture. And that settles completely fine with me. Interesting, right? See how everybody is so different. While you just mentioned that, I was just thinking, what is your source for your blanched almond flour, that finely ground almond flour? Do you have a place that you like to buy it? Costco. Costco. Your Costco sells almond flour? Yes, they do. It's at a a decent price. Um, I think we get a three pound bag. So it lasts for a while. Oh yeah, Yeah. Costco. 
Costco. And I think you can get it on Amazon as well. The same brand, that Kirkland brand price-wise, I don't know how Is it, it compares Kirkland? to in the okay. store. Mm-hmm. I buy the one. I really like it. I cannot find mine at Costco, but I buy it from a company called food to live just to give everybody another option food to live. Yeah. That's the one that I found. I bought it from various places. Honeyville makes a really good almond flour is almond flour. Your favorite nut flour to bake with. It is. I find that it gives me the most consistent results. Um, I have started using cashew flour a little bit. And I really, really like the cashew flour. So I might be posting more recipes using cashew flour. Oh, I would love that. Where do you get your cashew flour? Walmart. Oh my goodness. I know. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Walmart. Walmart. Yes. Wow. The texture of the cashew flour is very similar to the blanched, finely ground almond flour. Um, so for those people that can't do almonds, if you're going to substitute a flour, try and use cashew flour because you'll you'll get them, you'll get a result that's most similar to the original recipe. And one to one. Yes, one to yeah, one. Yeah, one to one. You are such a wealth of information, Jennifer. I I want to be respectful of your time. We've talked even over what I thought, but I just there's so much to talk about. We're gonna have to have you on again to continue this conversation. I know everyone is gonna want to find out more about you, go to your website and get those fall recipes that we talked about. What's the best way for everybody to connect with you? So you can go to my website, which is a life of um, underneath every recipe post. Uh, there is a section for reviews. So you can leave a comment, you can leave a star rating. Um, if you just want to get in touch with me one-on-one and not have everyone that goes to the blog, see your comment, Um, There's a contact me section on the blog, um, and that will send me a direct email, or you can go right to my email, which is a life of happenstance at gmail.com. And I know you're on social too. Instagram? I am. I'm on Instagram as a life of happenstance, as well as Facebook. I love that name for your blog, by the way, a life of happenstance. So cute. Thank you. Jennifer, thank you so much. This has been such a treat, such a delight. I really cannot wait to send all of our gut lovers over to your website to try those recipes. Trust me, guys, if you haven't yet, you have to. I, I absolutely love it. You are the one-stop shop for everything SCD. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. All right. Awesome. Take care. Don't you just love her knowledge, love her gutsy spirit. She didn't know how to cook, but then she just decided I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this SCD work for me. And then I love how she's going back to our IBD community with her blog, with her recipes, with her website. Awesome stuff. Jennifer Brown is awesome sauce. Okay. I want you to go check out Jennifer's latest fall recipes at a life of happenstance. And while you're there, check out her sneakily healthy cake pops and the pear Havarti tart that I mentioned in this episode, you're going to love them. Whether you religiously follow the SCD or you're just trying to eat in a gut healing way, you're going to love those recipes. Thanks for hanging out with Jennifer and I today. And if this episode has brought up any questions or comments for you, don't hesitate to reach out. You know, I always love chatting with you. DM me on Facebook for a quick cue. 
on Facebook. I am at the IBD health coach, or you can schedule a free 30 minute consultation with me where we can talk and dive into your Crohn's or colitis challenges. A link to schedule your free consult is in the show notes. You can also go to karenhaley.com forward slash 5757. Until we chat again, I'm wishing you a cheeky and healthy IBD healing journey. Chat soon.